0: Hey, all right. Hey all right, let's begin. take your seat in the Bible. Turn with me to Acts chapter nine, Acts chapter nine. Oh my. The book of Acts chapter 9, guess you don't need to be familiar with your Bible or a Bible. I'll be reading a rather, but I'll be reading a rather long passage and you'll want to read along with me. Trust me, if you you didn't bring a Bible, just Google Acts 9 and the letters ESV, for I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, the book of Acts chapter 9, beginning with verse 32, near the end, the translator heading reads, the healing of Aeneas. As you find your place, we continue our study of the early days of the church, the moments just after the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ. Our author, Luke, the physician, as he wrote the book of Acts, he's capturing the details and stories of what occurred at the very start. These are eyewitnesses accounts. These are official reports. These are some of the very very most important detail surrounding the emergence of what has become 2,000 years later a global transcultural history shaping life, transforming one person at a time in real space and time in history. It simply cannot be ignored or dismissed, regardless of what you believe. The church, that's what this is. The church, bigger today than ever before. If you can believe it, I was just reading statistics. statistic. Atheism, right? Atheism, not Christianity, is on on the decline globally. The book book of Acts chronicles the first moments and years of the first Christians last week, the most notorious of its enemies at the very beginning, converted, and now we switch abruptly And follow along as Peter, rather than Saul, Peter the apostle, the most prominent church leader at the moment, ventures out and away from the safety of his home and people in Jerusalem and the Jews and finds the power of God at work in the most unlikely of places and people. Would you look with me? I'm going to read all the way to chap, into chapter 11, but we start in chapter 9, verse 32. What a privilege to read to you. Listen as I pray, read and then pray. Take this in verse 32. Now, as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived in Lydda, There he found a a man named Aeneas bedridden for eight years who was paralyzed, verse 34. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord, verse 36. Now, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity, verse 37. And in those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa. And many believed in the Lord, and he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. Chapter 10. Verse 1, at Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. It's not the mafia, this is a military term. (laughs) Verse 2, just so you, I don't want to lose you here. Wait, verse 2, Cornelius was a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Verse five, and now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him, and having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Verse 9, the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, and he became hungry and wanting something to eat, but while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air, and there came a voice to him, rise, Peter. This is the hunting verse. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, verse 14, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. And the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Verse 17. Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. Verse 24, and on the following day they entered Caesarea, Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. Verse 26, but Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked to him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown to me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. Verse 30. Cornelius said... Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send, therefore, to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Verse 34, so... Peter opened his mouth and said truly I understand that God shows no partiality but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him as for the word that he sent to Israel preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ he is Lord of all You yourselves know what happened through all Judea, beginning with Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good things and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him, and we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death now here's where my technical difficulties come off. My printer's not printing right. Hang on. <laughs> Here it is. To be the judge of the living and the dead, to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Listen what happens. while Peter, verse 44, was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who had heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone hold water? Withhold water for baptizing these people who have been who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked him to remain for some days. Amen. Verse, chapter 11, verse 1. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter was up to the, up, went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him saying, you, were in, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began to explain it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheep descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me, looking at it, closely observed animals and beasts, of prey and reptiles and birds of the air, and I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at the very moment that at that very moment three men arrived in the house in which we were sent to me from Caesarea and the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel, and stand, angel stand in the house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon who is called Peter. He will declare to you the message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on on us at the beginning. And remember, I remembered the words of the Lord, how He said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as He gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I should, could stand in God's way? Verse 18. When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Would you join me in a brief prayer? Father, Father, we trust you. And your words, we're grateful that you have spoken and preserved what happened at the very beginning. Lord, now, Lord, would you you not only grant us faith to believe, but you would grant us life as we watch you save. And consider our point on this timeline. Fill me with your spirit that I might preach for my friends and for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, listen, every every story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Every story has a beginning, a middle, and the end. You might be wondering why I just read a very, very long passage of scripture for you and trust me I'm aware we know we don't look at we're not as dumb as we look right well, uh, reading 73 verses on a Sunday in public isn't normal you might say it's not normal even even though it's good and it's commanded in scripture to read the scriptures publicly I know that's not a regular regular practice but listen listen every story has a beginning a middle and an end. Every story has a beginning, middle, and an end. And I don't know how many times you and I, and particularly I would say for myself, have read this passage. If you're like me and you've, you've been a Christian for a, a few years or for a while, or you've been around the church long enough, many, many, many of the details of this section of Scripture are very familiar to us. And why are they familiar? Because they are very, very, very important details about how it came to be that what started first with Israel is now no longer a national or racial or culturally exclusive phenomenon. This is, this is it. This is where the gospel train jumps the tracks, right? Figuratively speaking, and the Gentiles, the, the non-Jews, the pagans, I would venture to say for most of us, get in on what Jesus is doing. The grace of God through the work of the promised Jewish Messiah overflows the walls of Jerusalem and spills out into the rest of the world of which we are a part of. But how it happened in context, technically speaking, biblically speaking, how this story is told, it's not so cold. It's, It's not so plain or matter of fact. It's a narrative. How did a Jewish... Apostolic leader of the new church called the Way in, the, in chapter 9 finds himself in the home of a Roman military leader who was a Gentile, unclean, off-limits, illegal. How, how did that happen? Well, well listen, that, that's why it's always good to be careful and not skip right to the end but instead enjoy the ending after hearing the beginning and the middle. So, so we started, that's why we read that whole passage, we, we started where Luke begins to tell the story. In chapter 9, verse 32, and the healing of Aeneas. Look with me, chapter 9, verse 32, the beginning of the story. The beginning of the story, it says, verse 32, Now as Peter went here and there among them, he came also down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. This was a day's journey from Jerusalem, okay? Along the way to the coast, Lydda was no doubt inhabited by a mix of Gentiles and Jews, and in particular Christian Jews who had fled the persecution of the church centered in Jerusalem. If you recall in previous chapters in Acts, and especially the stoning of Stephen, the first Christian martyr, <clears throat> and just and just reminder, just above our text here from last week, this almost feels abrupt As you read it, the man who had been hunting Christians just became a Christian himself. Saul or Paul, the apostle, perhaps the most consequential conversion to Christianity, to the faith in the entire book. Saul was one of the chief reasons why there were Christian saints, Luke writes, in Lydia. So Peter is on the move. That's what we find out. Peter's on the move visiting those who had been dispersed, primarily by persecution and we read look with me verse 33 there was a man there he found a man named Aeneas bedridden for eight years who was paralyzed and Peter said to him Aeneas Jesus Christ heals you just the name just the command rise and make your bed and immediately he rose and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon next door saw him and they turned to the Lord now can you imagine this is the beginning of the story this is the beginning of the story Peter walks into town and invokes the Savior's name, and one of their well-known invalids that's lying in a bed for at least eight years, and some would guess he might have been a child when this all began, he just gets up and starts walking around. And everyone does what? Everyone does what? They repent and believe in this one named Jesus Christ. You betcha. How marvelous. What a great beginning to the story. How wonderful. Jesus Jesus is still working and saving and healing and redeeming and transforming, convicting people of their sins, of rebellion against their creator and winning their souls, even if they passed by the first few options as Jesus was roaming around the region. Now they're getting in on it. They've been set free from their sin and the tyranny of their own Oh, passions and inclinations. Jesus is lighting it up one man at a time, even in the darkest of times and places, even out in the pagan countryside, even in the cities that are along the way, the truck stops, all right, the truck stops of the ancient Near East. Let's be clear here. Peter didn't heal. He wasn't looking for and he didn't heal. Aeneas, the risen, reigning champion of heaven, breaks in, seated. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, yet still working on this planet. Jesus, the Son of Man, healed Aeneas. What a a beginning of a story of how the gospel reached the Gentiles. Wow. Well, let's go to the middle. Next act. Act 2. It gets even better. And that's why there are more details about the story, verse 36. Now, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. Just stop right there. Joppa, Joppa's now on the coast, right? Modern day Jaffa, which is adjacent to the modern day city of Tel Aviv. We, we are now definitely in Gentile country, okay? That quick. Paul is converted. Peter goes for a walk to catch up with some people, and we're already talking about the coast. We've gone down to the coast. But Peter is still in Lydda, and so you might be wondering how Peter made it to Joppa. If you had heard this story as an original hearer, first Christians, you're wondering how in the world did he get to Joppa? especially if you're Jewish, here it is. What in the world is Peter doing in Joppa? Nothing good is going to come of him being in Joppa. But we read Tabitha, also known by her Greek name. Look at all these people, all have two names, right? Greek name, Dorcas, had died. And the Christians in Joppa sent for Peter. Why? What you think, they're hoping. They're hoping. And, and Peter performs. What can only be explained supernaturally. All the details. That's why all the details here lead to this to conclude. Dorca wasn't sleeping. Dorcas wasn't sleeping. She was dead. Dead as dead can be. And listen, let me tell you, stop and ask yourself who included the following details. Who, who was the most surprised person in Joppa when Dorcas was raised from the dead? I'm going to give it to you. It's Peter. Look at the details. No one else is in the room. Verse 40. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. As I read that this week, I just thought, you betcha he knelt down and prayed. They just brought me to Joppa. From Lydda, I'm not even supposed to be here, and now they're expecting me to raise this woman from the dead. You all out of the room, I'm going to pray my, my brains out, right? My heart bleeding before the Lord. He says, But he says, Peter, and remember, this is Peter reporting what happened. Dorcas is still dead. Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed with, his, with everything he's got and turning to the body, or another way to say it, looking at Tabitha. He said, Tabitha, arise. What faith? He's just a man like you and I. But he had seen some stuff. And this sounds very familiar all throughout the New Testament, particularly in the Gospels account after account of people being healed and saved and made whole and even rising after dying. He said, Tabitha, arise. And who reports this? Peter. How amazed was he? She opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up and he gave her hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive and it became known throughout Joppa. You're wondering how all these people are Christians down in Joppa. It became known throughout all. All Joppa and many believed in the Lord, and you bet you they don't want to let him leave again. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, another Simon, one Simon, a tanner. What a middle to the story, right? What a middle. Let me tell you, because I'm going to bet almost all of you missed the best detail in the middle part of the story. As the curtains are closing... You know, or I don't know what they call that in video, like when the, the, it's all getting dark, you know, in the old, oldie time movies, and it gets real narrow, right, on the screen. The curtain closes with the second act. Lights are going down. And where is Peter staying? Oh. With one Simon, a tanner. Verse 33. Hey, He, Peter. Stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon a tanner. And let me tell you, if you, were, if, if, if you understood what was going on in here, like the first readers of this book understood it's it right about then you'd heard the story, but then you're listening to the story. It's like you're, you've read the book, now you're watching the movie. And something happened to Peter on the way to Joppa. Because this Jewish church leader, as the scene closes, is staying in the home of an unclean man who did unclean work that you could have smelled from Lydda. Stinky, dirty, unclean work. He was a tanner. Of all the places, all the friends that Peter would have, all the places he would find himself, does even settle down? He's got the pick of the litter. Who doesn't want Peter to stay at his house, right, in Joppa? Everyone wants to say, I'll stay with Simon. And I don't think it's because he's down by the beach. He's down by the beach because he needs the water and it stinks. He's never... Peter's never stayed with a tanner. Peter doesn't know any tanners. Peter most likely would not even want to look at a tanner. Something's happening in the middle of the story. Good old R.C. Sproul writes about this little detail. I love what he says. He says, the fact that Luke mentions where Peter resided the rest of his time in Joppa with Simon the tanner... Holds significance for what happens next in the drama of the outworking of the early church and its inclusion among the Jews and Gentiles, which is the focus of the next passage he writes. He writes, The point of transition, the bridge between this miracle and what happens in Cornelius' household is hinted. Hinted at by the fact that Peter stayed in the home of a man whose occupation among the Jews was considered unclean. Tanners, not our tanner, if tanners in the room. (laughs) Generally speaking, tanners occupationally not our tanner. Tanners had to deal with the carcasses of dead animals. A practice prohibited to Jews. So, as Jesus before him, Peter finds himself going to places and people that nobody else wanted to touch. See how the beginning and the middle matter? Peter's being drawn out in a way from all that's familiar all the safety of his home and community, his people, his customs, his traditions, even his own theology is being tested. What he he believes about God. We're all living (laughs) on the edge now. Peter went from Jerusalem to, to sleeping in the home of a tanner. If you were a Jew back then, you wouldn't believe it unless you saw it with your own two eyes or read about it in Luke's account. Hmm. This is the problem with the long passage. Here comes the ending. And it's long. We're not going to read it all. But the best save for last. Just just read with me a little bit again and let me comment. Chapter 10 at Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius. He's a Gentile. He's a centurion. He's A military, non-commissioned officer of what is known as the Italian cohort, which again is not the mob, right? But rather a, you say, a militia. But he was a devout man, verse 2. And verse 4, as he's praying, he meets an angel. And his angel directs him to call someone to his house And so he gathers up the people and tries to recount what has just happened, right? But on the same day, at the same time, if you keep reading the text, and we're not going to read it here, Peter, hungry, at the Tanner's house, praying. They start preparing a meal, but he falls into a trance. I hate when that happens. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's the worst. (laughs) And in that trance... I love. Uh, if you look at verse 16, it happened three times, and and the thing was taken up at once at heaven, at, at once to heaven. What it is? A sheet, a great sheet with all kinds of animals. He was never supposed to eat, never supposed to enjoy, touch it. Whatever that was, it's taken up to heaven. Peter's perplexed inside his own heart. What does this mean, right? But the Spirit tells him. Men are coming for you. Go with them. The men come. Peter goes. Cornelius doesn't understand yet. He falls down and worships. Verse 28 of chapter 10, if you're looking, Peter's first words. find so many gathered in the house what is why is Peter even here And, and Peter says you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation what we're doing here is illegal theologically speaking and then Peter says but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or Something has happened to Peter. He's beginning to see people the way God sees people. Verse 29, so when I was sent for, I came without objection, even though he knew he was prohibited from doing it. I ask then, why? So Cornelius is clueless a little bit. Peter is clueless. I ask you now, why have you sent for me? and they ask for him to preach the gospel and Peter preaches the gospel. And as he's preaching the gospel, the Holy Spirit falls upon them and they're filled with the spirit the same way we read in verse chapters one and two and three. Peter, you can almost feel him coming out of his skin. Who will withhold the water for these Men and women to be baptized. Again, crazy talk for who Peter was. But after Lydda and Joppa, this all makes sense. Chapter 11. Chapter 11 is where you might say we come into play. We are already in play as the gospel pours out and the gospel and, and God's work and Jesus' finished work on the cross is available to us. By, by chap, so, but by but chapter 11, now we watch those that already have received and understand and are new creatures in Christ, right? Peter goes up to Jerusalem, verse, chapter 11, verse 1. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. This is wonderful news. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party (laughs) criticized him. What are you doing with them? Peter explains. Now we got the big, right, the summary, beginning, middle, end. Now here it is, the end. He tells them the whole story. And what happens they fall silent in amazement and rejoice that God is not a respecter of nations and nationalities and ethics and not even our ethnicities and our backgrounds but rather for all who will believe and trust and repent of their sins now for the first time in the book of Acts, it's apparent. This is how the Lord will fulfill his promise to save men and women and children from every nation. I love how D.A. Carson puts it. He says, what, what needed to be resolved it, it, here at the beginning of chapter 11 with all the Christians in Jerusalem? Resolve for Peter was not whether the gospel was for Gentiles. They already knew that. We heard that all the way back at the beginning, that this was going to go from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. But the question was, how would God do this? And in particular, and we're going to bump into this time and time again, and actually we're going to be in Galatians just in about a month or so, and we're going to look at the book of Galatians was written about this time. How Could they receive the gospel if they are unclean and common? (laughs) Peter took the gospel to Lydda and Joppa and Cornelius, but in a sense, as one author writes, but in a sense, Cornelius' response showed Peter the gospel was deeper, broader, and more powerful than he ever thought. And that's where we come into play. Similarly, many of us who brought the gospel, received the gospel, and then brought the gospel to our place, in our city, are being taught. Like we saw with Paul, and now we see with the Gentiles. That there is more to this gospel and the depths in which God will think, the impartiality of God that he's not a respecter of you or me or any man, but is just. And all who will trust. Hmm. No favoritism. All who will trust in the glory and forgiveness and the hope that's found in the cross. be saved. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, big words and a big gospel. We're amazed. Oh Lord, we pray. Put us in this story. As we hear the gospel sung and proclaimed and preached and we read it on our pages, Lord, I pray that you would Give us the faith as well to rise up and repent and to trust you rather than ourselves and find in you hope and healing forgiveness for every sin and a joyful everlasting life reconciled to you oh we pray in Jesus name amen Amen, would you stand and sing with us?